unreasonable grace, the gospel of Matthew. My goodness, it gets better every week. Okay, in Matthew 9, we saw the compassion of Jesus for humanity. We see Jesus' heart and how it compels him to minister to people. He healed them, cast out demons, raised the dead, and then he instructed, at the end of the chapter, he instructed those observing all of this to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the fields. It's a perfect segue, I think Matthew, Matthew's a genius, as he's writing this, he's, he's making, he's setting it up to get to chapter 10, uh, where, Jesus is, uh, where Jesus commissions his 12 apostles, so titled this this morning very cleverly, Jesus commissions his apostles, because I'm clever that way. Uh, chapter 10 contains all these instructions uh, that Jesus gave to his 12 apostles, and there's no really good breaking point in chapter 10. So we're going to cover the first eight verses this morning. Uh, so turn in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Um, uh, I think that probably for the next couple of weeks, it's going to seem a little bit disjointed, uh, but I'm going to do my best to go back and put it in context every time. I think I do that pretty often anyway. I just want us to keep it all in one, in one set. I'm just not going to preach. I think there's 43 verses or something like that in chapter 10. And we just don't have time for that on Sunday morning. So, uh, Or at least you guys won't let me do that. So, People will say, oh, Brent, just preach as long as you want. And then they don't come back the next week. Weird encouragement. Here we go. You have your bulletins. Uh, number one, Jesus gives the apostles authority. I want you to think about this because here again, I think that if you're familiar with church, we just read through this. We plow through this and it's like, yeah, Jesus gave the apostles authority. There's, that's huge that, that God would become man here on earth and then he would share his divine authority with a bunch of 12 hairy, guy, with 12 hairy guys. All right, <clears throat> Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. So here's, there's been this large group of people who are following Jesus around. They're listening to him teach and preach, and they're watching him perform miracles. And now Jesus calls together this group of 12 men, 12 disciples that he has brought closer to him than the crowd, and he entrusts them with his authority, the divine authority that Matthew has been telling stories about for the last several chapters. Jesus entrusts his authority to these 12 men. He gives these men authority, enabling them to continue Jesus' ministry of showing compassion for people. I'm going to pause for a moment while you absorb that into your little brain. Jesus gives these men authority, enabling them to continue Jesus' ministry of showing compassion for people. Why did Jesus go around meeting with multitudes of people, teaching and preaching and healing and casting out demons? Well, the end of chapter 9 told us why. Because he looked on them with great compassion. He wanted to bless them. So he entrusted his authority to the disciples so that they could continue 
Jesus' ministry of showing compassion for people. I hope you got that. These disciples are given authority to cast out evil spirits and heal disease and illness just as Jesus did. Now, I'm assuming that previously these guys were simply, these 12 guys were simply spectators. They showed up and they watched what was going on. They've been following, they've been listening, they've been learning even. They've been learning how to do soap, but they haven't done it yet. Now Jesus says, you have watched me long enough. Now you go out into the harvest field and now you are going to minister to people. You are going to go show compassion to others. You go and meet the needs of others. You okay? Jesus gave these 12 disciples authority to minister to others. These men were not priests. They were not Bible school graduates. They didn't dress right, by the way. They were simply men who had been following Jesus, and Jesus decided to give them authority to go and show compassion just as he had been doing. I'm going to pause for just a moment because I'm having a thought. Uh, sometimes around church, we talk about how, why don't people take the initiative to, to greet people they don't know or possibly new people? And I think often it is as simple as giving people permission that you can do this. You can, when you come to church and you see someone that you don't know, I give you authority to say, hello, my name is, and to be friendly. Because we have this weird thing in church where it's like, well, I don't know them. I'm not going to say hi to them. That would be weird. Yeah, I know. It'd be weird to be nice to people, huh? This is, why, this is why you can't do, this, this is my other soapbox, you can't do chapter 10 without chapter 9. Chapter 9 is the compassion of Christ. What, what motivates us to bless other people? It's compassion. All right, that was not in my notes. Please reflect that in your giving however you think. Okay, Matthew 10, <laughs> we're going on to the next verse because we need to hurry up. But chapter, chapter 10, verse 2. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. Note that. We just went from disciples to apostles. Here are the names of 12 apostles. Only time that, that Matthew uses that word here in his book. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Most of us are familiar with Peter. He's a wild man. Simon, also called Peter. And then there's Andrew, Peter's brother, so Peter and Andrew. And then we have James, a son of Zebedee, and his brother John, James' brother. Uh, these are, uh, they're referred to as the sons of thunder, Man, why couldn't I get a title like that? Like, who's the pastor there? Brant. It'd be like, I can't even think of anything good. All right. So number three, Philip. And then uh, Philip, we'll, we'll talk about him in just a second. Bartholomew Thomas was there. Uh, Matthew, the tax collector. I like how he qualifies himself, the tax collector. We've talked about him quite a bit. Another James, son of Alphaeus. So we have two James. Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. And then, of course, Judas Iscariot. 
later, uh, who will later betray Jesus. In verse one, in verse one, Jesus called, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples, followers together. But here in verse two, Matthew says, here are the names of the 12 apostles. So he changes it from disciples to apostles. Now disciples, I know I'm geeking out over a word. Just just hang with me for a second. It's kind of fun. Disciple is a general designation for followers. These are the people who say, wow, there's this guy named Jesus. He's teaching radical things, but he's healing people and doing all these other miracles. Let's go see what he's doing. The, the word apostles are people who are sent out with the authority of the sender, in this case, Jesus. Did you get that in your brain? Disciples say, hey, let's go watch this guy. Apostles are, I am Jesus, is sending these men out with his authority. Jesus purposefully commissioned these apostles. He taught them himself. He invested in them with the authority to minister to people on his behalf. He is sending them to do his ministry with the authority to bless people in his name. That's a lot of responsibility that Jesus has placed on these men. I mean, you have, here's kind of the contrast in this snapshot. You have Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the Christ. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament Messiah. He has arrived and he is, Jesus is bestowing his authority, his divine kingdom of heaven authority on these 12 ragtag men to carry out the ministry of the kingdom of heaven to humanity. In this group, you have four fishermen, Peter and Andrew, James and John, like those guys. You have, I'm not going to go through all of them, but you also have, they're blue collar guys. These are not scholars. You with me? They're four fishermen. Then you have Philip. He was a skeptic by nature. Remember, he's the one that's like, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. I don't know who this Jesus guy is. He might go to church here. Thomas, not here, maybe a different church. Thomas, we'll see later, he's just a complete doubter. I mean, and then Matthew, you have the, the tax collector who has a bunch of unsavory friends. We read about that earlier. And then Simon is a zealot. Without going into detail, the government was probably keeping an eye on Simon. Yeah, not, not, good, not a good deal. And then you have Judas Iscariot. We know that he's going to be the betrayer of Jesus. This is, this is not a quality group of men. <laughs> Or it's not a group of quality men. These 12 men are the people on whom the future success of Jesus' world impact will rest. These 12 men. These men will affect Christianity for eternity forward. These 12 men. I think maybe Jesus missed the leadership class that taught on how to choose your team wisely. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I see you're a fisherman. You want to come with me? We're going to change eternity together. (laughs) What does one have to do with the other? I don't know. I look at this list of men and I can't help but think, 
If anything good comes from this bunch, it is only because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father are working together through them, not because they were anything great. I'm okay with that, are you? Yeah. Jesus chose these men who had very little. By any measurement, they just had very little. Uh, And he gave them the authority of the kingdom of heaven. They had practically nothing to offer. And he he entrusted the authority of the kingdom of heaven to them. And then here, here we are today, so it seems like it worked out just fine. Number two, number two, Jesus sends the apostles to Israel, to Israel specifically. Number five, verse five is where we're at. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Now, so the, the Jews are the target audience of the disciples. When Jesus sent the apostles out, he sent them specifically to the Jews. Now, can you imagine if someone was to do this today? There'd be a whole bunch of people offended, right? Can you imagine you show up on Sunday morning and, oh, I don't know if I'm brave enough. I'm trying to think of how to do it in the least offensive way. You show up on Sunday morning and say, I'm only going to speak to the Jews this morning. See, that was, doesn't involve any of us, so we're fine. Nobody got offended. If I said, well, I'm, I'm only going to speak to the Baptists today. <laughs> Larry's on the front row. I'm only going to speak to those who are Church of Christ today. <laughs> if y'all didn't know, Larry has a Church of Christ. Do y'all notice Larry's shirt this morning? He's like the model for, for Desert Heights t-shirts this morning. I digress. <clears throat> There's a bunch of people offended about the message is only going to go to the Jews. Jesus did not forget about God's promise to the Jews. This is important. Jesus did not forget about God's promise to the Jews. Jesus didn't forget, forget about or abandon the Jewish people. Matthew makes sure that the Jews reading his gospel know that Jesus specifically sent his first 12 apostles to the Jews first. Got that? 12 guys, give them authority. You are going to the Jews. Now, whenever Jesus says first, it's first priority. It's not really exclusively first because Jesus has already ministered to a lot of Gentiles. We've read those stories and he may have ministered to the Samaritans already. Um, but, but generally speaking, God has a format It's an important format. Jews first, salvation comes to Jews first, and then non-Jews or Gentiles later, okay? So Jews first. There's a reason for this. I'll get to it in a second, but I just want to make reference that when, when Luke writes the book of Acts and he's quoting Jesus, Jesus instructs that those who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit will be his witnesses first where? In Jerusalem. 
And then Judea, that's to, to the Jews. First to Jerusalem and Judea, that's the Jews. And then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, that's to the Gentiles. The gospel is going to go to the Jews first. Now, already the gospel had spread to some Jews, but, but the format is the Jews first. Jesus sends the apostles first to God's lost sheep. Okay, Jesus is using the language of the Old Testament here. He's doing it for a reason because it's a big flashing light to those Jews who will be listening to this and who's reading this. They would recognize this Old Testament language because it, it goes back to, to their roots. The whole idea of, of Israel being blessed first begins back in Genesis 12. It probably doesn't begin there, but it's a great place to, to just read because it's one of my favorite Three verses in the Bible. One of my favorite, many favorite uh, verses. So Jesus being blessed first goes back to Genesis 12. I'm going to read it. I'll read it slow. I don't think that I made a slide for it because I just want you to listen. Uh, the Lord said to Abram. Okay, remember Abram, his name becomes Abraham. He's the very, very beginning of, of Israel. He says, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. That's going to be Canaan. It's going to be the promised land. Verse 2. This is what God says to Abram. I will make you into a great nation. That's going to be Israel. God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Then he says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And then, and then my favorite part, all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Israel first, then Gentiles. The progression has always been to bless Israel, and then through Israel, there would be this blessing that would go to all families on the earth. Jesus is standing in the moment of history where Israel has again strayed away from God the Father. But God's plan is not thwarted. You okay? Because we do this thing in Christianity. Or, oh, God, I messed up God's whole plan. It's not, history can't go forward because of my sin. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I wasn't supposed to say that anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, Diane skipped first service, so I just go crazy. <laughs> She's not here to tell me, Brant. Abraham's going to mess up multiple times. God still blesses Israel, and God still blesses all the families on the earth through Israel. Isn't that incredible how God does that? Because it's like he's God. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah, the Christ, would come to God's lost sheep, the Jewish people. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, he says, all of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. He's talking about God's lost sheep. All of us like sheep have gone, have strayed away, is what the New Living Translation says. He has left, we have left God's path to follow our own. 
I mean, in one verse, in three lines, he just lines all this out. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've left God's path to follow our own path. Yet, we've done whatever we wanted. Yet, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Isaiah is writing to the nation of Judah. He's writing to the Jews. They have strayed away from God to follow their own desires. Yet the Lord, the Lord God, laid on him, on Jesus, the sins of us all. God's shepherd has arrived. He is here. The Redeemer is here. First for the Jews and then for the Gentiles, for us all. God's chosen people, the people of Israel, are like sheep without a shepherd. It is out of Christ's compassion for those who are, at the end of chapter 9, it's out of his compassion for those who are confused, helpless, and without a shepherd that he sends these 12 men to go and pursue those to go and pursue those who are lost or who have strayed away, the people of Israel who are in need of a Savior. They may not be looking for him, but Jesus, the Christ, he's going after them. It's pretty good. The people of Israel may not be looking for him, but the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, he says, look, the harvest is white. It is great. And there's a bunch of lost sheep out there who are confused and helpless. Let's go help them. Number three, number three, Jesus' plan for ministry. Jesus' plan for ministry. Verse 7, here's his instructions. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what he's been preaching throughout the previous nine chapters of Matthew. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Seven instructions here. I'm going to go through them because I think that they're important to note. He says, number one, he says, go. If you're writing this down, the first instruction is go. The apostles were to be out and about. They were to go where people with needs were. The apostles were instructed to go. We in church, we tend to assume that if people have a spiritual need or if they have a need, they'll just come to church. And then someone who is paid to be there will help those people who just show up at church. I don't think that that is at all what Jesus intended uh, whenever he says Go. I think that he means for us to do church, to do, to do uh, filled ministry outside of the church. Harvest ministry doesn't happen inside the church. That's a fairly modern thing. 
for us to sit back and wait for the sinners to come in so that we can lead them in, uh, to Jesus on Sunday morning after service. That's, that's nuts, actually, I think, but whatever. I don't think that Jesus intended for us to wait for sinners to come to church. He says, go. Jesus does not say, wait. <laughs> there should be a song about that, just wait. We're reaching the lost. How? Just, just wait. <laughs> right, right. That's dumb. Number two, announce. <laughs> Ask me, I'll tell you what I really think. Announce, he says, or, or he says preach. Some translations say preach. It is the, uh, I'm going to geek out over verb tense for just a second here because it's really, really cool. Uh, the word announce or preach here, it's in the present imperative. Present imperative is a command. So, so it, present imperative, it doesn't matter where you're at in time, do it. Keep on preaching. Whatever you're doing, preach it, brother. That's what it is. That's what it's going to say in my translation whenever I write it. We don't, <laughs> we don't announce it once and then quit. It is, uh, it really is, as you go, perpetually, as you go, keep on preaching. Keep on announcing that the kingdom of heaven is near. Keep on communicating to those you care about and those who are around you that the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the message is not that the, did you hear what I said? The message that we're preaching is not that the end is near. Because fear of the end is not the message. I, there's, there's probably a lot of things that I get angry about, but this would be one of them. It is when Christians are the end is near. And we try to scare the... You understand. We try to scare people into heaven, and then we wonder why we have non-believers coming to church. Well, they're just scared. That's all. That's the only reason they come to church is because they're afraid that they're that God's going to smite them. And they don't understand that the message is actually the kingdom of heaven is near. And that's a good thing because the kingdom of heaven being near is a message of hope. We just, chapter 9, Jesus' compassion for the lost. He doesn't come to them and heal them and say, oh, by the way, God's coming and he's going to smite your sorry face. <laughs> The kingdom of heaven is near. We have hope. And that hope is demonstrated previously by Jesus. Now Jesus has given his divine authority to his apostles. So here's his instructions. He tells them, go, preach. Here's hope. Heal the sick. That's a good thing. Raise the dead. I'd watch that. Actually, we're on number five. Five, cure, cure those with leprosy. Six, cast out demons. And seven, give as freely as you have received. I, I'm thinking while I'm trying to read my notes. Sorry. Uh, we like to preach about 
Preach the gospel. Go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure the, the sick, the leprosy. Cast out demons. Oh, that's exciting. But we very seldom get to that last one. Give as freely as you have received. And earlier, Thomas prayed for the giving of our church. And, and then we come to this and it's like, yeah, let's just cast out demons. That'll be funner. I don't mind. In, that, was, that was not in my notes. Stick to your notes, Brent. I don't mind encouraging you to go. I think that that's important. Go and tell others about Jesus. I, I'm not sure that I can pressure anyone to go and heal and raise the dead. That's a topic for another day. Uh, but I strongly encourage you to give as freely as you have received. Because the theme is still, the, the, the jumping off point for chapter 10 is the compassion of chapter 9. So he says, give as freely as you have received. Well, what did these 12 just receive? The divine authority of God. Y'all are all, what? what what'd they get? What'd they get? What'd they get? <laughs> they got a t-shirt. No, 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 no. You and I have done nothing to earn all the grace, forgiveness, and eternal life that has been offered to us through Christ Jesus. Jesus' compassion for people motivated him to generosity, to, to generously give healing to people, to generously give grace to people. He gave grace when they didn't deserve it. It's kind of the definition of grace. He healed people when they didn't even ask. We went through those stories. Or they didn't even declare that they had faith. He just, he just went up and healed people. Who was he to do that? I know, I just messed up all of your theology on healing and faith, didn't I? <laughs> he delivered the demon-possessed because it was the compassionate thing to do. Jesus gave. That defines his ministry. He gave to you and me. This instruction is as good for believers today as it was for the apostles then. Maybe it's even more, more gooder for us today. <laughs> See, if I say it that way, you'll remember that I said it. If I say it right, you'll forget what I said. It's more important, it's more meaningful to us because... This was written on the other side of the cross from where we stand. When Jesus commissions the disciples, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we were given authority. And, and he talks about grace and forgiveness, but we don't really comprehend all what is going on. But you and I, we stand on this side of the cross. We know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We know that Jesus died and he rose again. We know the high price that was paid for our salvation. We know how generous Jesus was to us. So out of compassion, out of compassion, Jesus has given to us generously. And we have received greatly. Right? I mean... Pretty wonderful. If ministering to others could be summed up, then giving as freely, man, that, that's a loaded word right there, isn't it? 
giving as freely as you have received may be the best summary. God has opened the windows of heaven and he's poured out his grace and his blessings on you. And then he says, now that you've received the blessing of the kingdom of heaven, now go share it just as freely as you received it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when they come in, we'll share God's blessing with them. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm kidding. I really am kidding. Because I, I put this in my note because I think this is very important. Because what I address tends to be what gets repeated. Giving is a tricky one because whenever someone gives either to the church or to someone in the church or to a need that's out there, we don't put, a, put their name on the screen and say, oh, you know, Schmo just gave a million dollars to Brent buy a new car fund. <laughs> we don't do that uh, because we want to, you know, be respectful. So, so I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? Uh, it's a secret because when people give with the right heart, they don't advertise it, all right? It's a secret. So to honor all those who understand the generosity of God's grace in their lives, I'm going to speak in generalities, okay? But I want to tell you guys something because I think this is important. You are here among a bunch of generous people. People who understand what it means to give as freely as they have received. See, I'm in a cool position where I get to know a lot of what happens with giving. Not just to the church, but within the church and then even outside of the church. I just, people tell me, I don't know why. So I can keep a secret. I can keep a secret because I have a bad memory. That's really part of it. (laughs) But I know that people have abundantly blessed other people uh, in the church or in the community. And, and so, but nobody ever talks about it. So we come to church and it's like, oh, you know, we see these people at church. They're nice. No, they're great. They're really, you, you go to church with a lot of really, really great people. I don't just mean that whenever we raise money for kids camp and youth camp, Uh, or when we do a big push to raise money for missions or a building. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean that there's a lot of people in our church who when they notice a need in someone else's life or in a family, a need in a family or even a need in the church, they just take it upon themselves to meet that need. See, it's, it's an authority thing. Well, Brent, can I meet other people's needs? Yeah, Jesus said you could. He has empowered you with divine authority to meet the needs of other people. But when we do it, especially in church, it stays very quiet. Sometimes we give money. Sometimes we share knowledge or understanding of something specific in our lives. Sometimes it's offering a helping hand or just offering encouragement. We may not all be apostles, but we can all be involved in compassionately and generously giving to the needs of others. Any one of us who have received the abundance of God's grace 
can give as freely as we've received. Sometimes people say, I don't have anything to, to give to others. Oh, sweetheart, let me introduce you to the Son of God. Because he'll fill your heart. Will he fill your billfold? Maybe. I don't know. Depends. If he can trust you with it. But he'll fill your heart and you'll be, you'll be full and overflowing. You'll have every opportunity to give. So, so in closing, and to echo the words of a great theologian and video announcer, Rachel Sitton. <laughs> you are blessed. So my challenge to you this morning is to take that blessing that you have so freely been given and freely bless others.